shops and down at the beach. They're all different shapes and all different flavours. Come along with us. Hello, I'm Tanya. Sarah and I spoke with Kat in her home while her dog dreamed in the background as part of this podcast series, Let's Meet the Neighbours. Kat lives with Chris, their three children and family dog in South Fremantle. As a younger woman, Kat had a busy corporate life. She talked to us about the lifestyle choices she and Chris have made, choices that have brought them close to the beach and created a balanced family life. A few years ago, Kat decided upon a small project that would occupy one day a week of her time, help her artist friends, combine her PR skills with her interior design skills, and spread the joy of buying original artworks. Sounded perfect. It was, except that it grew to be so much more than one day a week. Today, there have been three very successful Fremantle artists open house. So, find your favourite place to sit, and let's meet the neighbours. Where are you from? I was born Spank's dad's a geologist and he got a job with the company Rio Tinto in the town Rio Tinto and um, and then we moved to Madrid and then we moved to Brazil and um, we spoke a little bit of, we spoke Spanish, Dutch and um, English at home, well, Dutch because mum was Dutch, dad, English because dad was English and Spanish because our neighbours and our friends and our schools, everything else. So you didn't have a sense of being Australian no, when you came here? absolutely not. Mm. No, I hated Australia. Our first trip out, we made a, we had a recce and we went to country Queensland. It must have been 1979 or something and dad wanted to show us Australia. And firstly, uh, the three horrifying things I remember was that one of the kids told me that um, you put this fed, this fed stuff called Vegemite on really thick on your toast and I thought it was like Nutella so I put like a whopping layer on because that's what I did with Nutella. Took a bite out of it and hated it and dispersed it. I remember just running away and just burst into tears. And... Second thing I remember is running a bath and the water coming out brown and just crying about that because, you know, in, in Spain, the water runs clear. And, um, and then the third thing, it was on, in the country and they had like this almost teepee set up and then they slaughtered a sheep and hung it upside down. I remember watching the blood drip out, just going, oh my, this is awful. I'm now a vegetarian because I haven't forgotten that scene. I think we literally, this is, I'm sure my parents have a different story, but the way I feel about it is we got off the plane, didn't know anyone or anything, and we basically rolled off and ro- and just kind of walked into the first rental property that was literally outside the airport, which was in Cloverdale. And so, and then they put us in the school that was closest to the airport, like, okay, first school we passed, but then enrolled the kids, it was Kudale Primary. And my, it was just awful because we didn't actually grow up with the TV either. So we came to Australia, we, we spoke American, we wrote like Americans, which is fine apart from when you're learning spelling at school. Um, we never watched TV, so I didn't know who Wonder Woman was, I didn't know who Spider-Man was. I was just, I hated Vegemite because of my experience the year before in Queensland. Like I was just a real outsider. And to top it off, my mum was Chinese and I was half Chinese and it was just like in Kudal that just, you know, we were such outcasts, I hated it. So I also remember 
driving around every weekend looking for houses. So they ended up on the river at Adderdale. And when we moved to Adderdale Primaries and things started to look up after then. And you felt that immediately? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being different but still managing. Still welcomed. Yeah. Um, by the time we had, Chris and I had children and we were living this time on the other side of East, of the Canning Highway, still in East Fremantle. But, and we'll, you know, when you've got kids and you've got to go to the beach, you've got to strap them in the flipping car and you've got to take a thousand things just to get them to the beach. It's a real ordeal. And uh, it just seems so far. Suddenly the beach seemed further away having kids, even though it was just four traffic lights and like three kilometres away. And that's when we decided to move to South Fremantle because we just thought, right, we just got to live on the beach where we just walk out of our house and we don't need to load anyone into a car. And that's how we got here. Here you are in heaven. Mm. <laughs> how did you meet your husband? Through friends. Before Tinder and all that. Before Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, how you used to meet people. Yeah, yeah. He was living in Hong Kong um, for two years and I had lived there. And I was back in Perth and... Um, how did it start? I think a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine that I had travelled with, started dating a bloke, and he was living in Chris's house. And um, when I and then I started visiting that house because well, I had got to know him without meeting him really, because I'd spent a lot of time in his house, and I and his oh, I thought, oh, he plays guitar. There's you know a point there, a great music collection, a point there, and you know. He, I, you know, I liked his, you know, he's got really old furniture, all points there. So I got to know a fair bit mm, about, him. about him before I actually met him. I can't remember the first time I met him, but I think it was at a movie date with a friend of mine and we'd come straight from work, so I was all fancy in my stupid corporate clothes and he wasn't working at the time and he was just in, you know, he'd just literally rolled out of bed, had lunch. There was a period where I wanted to get married, but... I'm, I'm so over that. It didn't last long. We, um, I think we'd only, I was already 30 and I had this tick tick, I was 29 or something, you know, heading towards 30. And um, I felt that in my mind I would have children when I was 30. I didn't previously, I think very, I think it really is something biological yes. that just comes up and says, I need to have kids. And I'm like, where's that coming from? I spent most of my 20s thinking, this world's looking downhill, like, you know, there's not enough food on this planet to feed another human being. I'm not going to have any to... I really need kids, I really need three. <laughs> what was the process of building like? Then this block came up on Scott Street, the one that we're living on now. And um, I had just... We thought we're never going to get the chance to live that close to a beach. So we had Coda, an architect firm, design it, but um, we weren't able to afford to take them right through to the end of the project. So often you, they'd come up with a concept, you agree on a concept, and then an architect will design the house, and then they'll put it out to tender for a builder, and then they'll manage the build so that it's built to their exact specifications. 
and in the end result is you just get an absolutely gorgeous house all the details are perfect and we had to drop them at the end of the second stage because we couldn't afford when we realised that to take it out to tender and get a specific builder was just unaffordable. About a year and a half getting a design together and then putting it through to council and then this is all during the boom, the housing boom and then the estimated price to build doubled. So suddenly... During the build or...? During that year that it sat in council and came back and, and we, you know, during the design development phase. And, um, and then we, I think, we had a quantity surveyor look at, look at it before we put it out to tender and the cost came back twice as much than what we had anticipated to spend based on what we were told at the time, you know, at this, at, you know, now it costs $2,000 to build a house and then, you know, like a year later or 15 months later it was costing uh, twice as much to build a house and then we just thought, well, we just actually can't afford that and it was really stressful and we're living in that dump of a house, that was stressful and um, so we put it on the market, nobody bought our block, it was over winter, not surprisingly, who buys an empty beach block at full price in the winter. And we looked around and we actually couldn't find anything anyway. So we um, ended up finding a builder that was building another house up Scott Street. Hmm. But, you know, we love it in the end. Yeah. We're on a house mm. opposite the beach. And, it's fabulous. Mm. When I got <laughs> pregnant, I had been working in PR in a corporate role. And then I started working for myself. And um, but when you work in P in corporate PR, not consumer PR that I know of, you have to give a lot of hours. And when you're dealing with any media in the east, you have to be willing to start work at five or six o'clock. And it doesn't mean you knock off early; it just means you you can't leave the office at three just because you've come in at five. You've got it, you know. And I knew around about that time I wanted to have children. I just knew also that I couldn't sustain a corporate life. It was A, it was stressing me out and I was becoming unhappy. But B, they're just not there. I just knew that I couldn't give those hours to the corporate world. So I started working for myself. That's fine. I had a couple of clients and retainer. That was all very well. Then I got pregnant and thought, well, this isn't going to work. I'm going to have to change careers. So I went to Curtin and um, studied interior architecture, having no clue at all what a full-on degree it was. The first five years of us having children, he worked away 150 days a week, a year. Uh -huh. And not FIFO, so he was just announced, I've got a job, I'm going, and then I'll come back when the job's finished. So no regularity or No regularity, planning. so no knowing... Thank goodness my parents lived in Adderdale and were really happy grandparents and had a very big, you know, part of the kids' um, lives. So I did, I did that. Chris was away. My second child was in and out of hospital for 18 months. And so that's why it took a long time to have the third child. I wanted three, but I, the first two were 18 months apart and I had to wait. I just wasn't ready to have that third child because I was dealing with a lot of stress. Why so did very you stressed. want three? I just, I don't know. I, I think your body just tells you. I don't know. I just wanted three. I took leave when my first daughter was born. 
Um, she was born in March and I went back in June. So I didn't study that first term or semester. And then my second child was born in August. I'm pretty sure I took leave of that term and went back in February. And then I'm pretty sure by um, the next semester or a year after he was born because he was in and out of hospital, Chris was away um, and I was thinking I was coping but it took a friend to tell me I wasn't coping, that I dropped out of uni. I just, um, I didn't drop out, I took leave. It gave me some more leave. Um, because often we would go for doctor's appointment with for my little son and then we'd be admitted that very afternoon. And I'd think like, okay, well I now need to work out how to get my daughter from daycare because I'm now walking from this appointment straight into the hospital and I'm not going home and my car's parked in a one hour bay and you know, so it was that was really hard. Chris was away and I you know, and a friend said, you know, you really gotta look after your kid and not uni. And as soon as I um, made that decision, um, I could focus on my kids. And I thought, why didn't I do this from the start? Why didn't I? Why did I feel like I needed to work as well as have kids? It's very interesting, yeah. And as soon as I let go, and by this time I had three kids, I was already a mum five years. And I just thought, I can't believe I didn't make this decision the day I had my first child and just just let it go. And do you think there's pressure on women to maintain a career and there is because women there there is, I think there is. That being a mother's not enough. Yeah. But you and think it is? Yeah. I definitely do. And I, it's a full time job. I mean I have a different role in that. Um, I guess every family is different but in order for my husband to be able to travel the way he travels, so he's away now, came home Sunday night, flew out again Monday night, and the week before that, you know, he came home at 3pm, so I'm on the 7 o'clock flight to New Zealand, I'll see you tomorrow. And in order to him to have that flexibility, I need to be at home, because suddenly, if we divide the roles, okay, you do the soccer run on this day, and I do the swimming run on this, you know, and then he can't meet his end of the bargain, then... You know, someone needs to pick up that. So I am, you know, I allow my role as a full time mum allows him to do those, mm, I think it's great. those things. I think and, it's a great I, and I also don't like this theory of busyness. You say, How are you? People say I'm busy. And I think, As I, if it's something really good. Yeah. Or like, Well, unbusy yourself if it's stressing you out. Like, mm. Mm. It's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I was one way, now I'm another way, and you know, mm. so I could never criticise anyone for being oh, the way no. they are because mm. I've travelled this, I've had this path and journey where I've got to this point. I think actually, I'm at middle age. I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to um, have my kid. I can't believe. I couldn't believe it. The year my daughter went to high school, I just couldn't believe it. I remember taking her to kindy, and then. I remember her going to high school and just thought that just went like that. Everyone tells you, but you've got experience it, I think, before you realise. How did Artist's Open House start? I had a third child and when he went into kindy, I started working. 
And I think the year before he went, people really starting to ask me, like, are you interested in doing this and that? Just mums at school, people, friends I knew. And um, I was like, oh, no, not ready, not ready. You know, I just, I've still got someone at home. But when the last kid goes to school, I'm going to work. And because um, I thought, I honestly, again, stupidly thought that when the kids go to school, you actually get enough time to work. But you don't, you get enough time to clean up after them once you've dropped them off and do the laundry and, I mean, you can do it, but you're not happy. I wasn't. Anyway, um, and then someone asked me to help them with a gym and I just thought, that sounds really fun. So I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And then that's when I started saying yes. Within about a year, I realised that actually there's a lot of money being spent in the world of interior design a lot of money and um that you know people had in mind they were happy to take loans out and had in mind okay i'm gonna do this renovation and i've got 300 grand for it and yeah i'm happy to spend four grand on curtains and two on a rug and like i couldn't believe that actually there was that much money being spent everywhere i looked in the world of interior design and uh, at around about the same time, I had an artist friend who, after 10 years of showing in Perth, um, she's a friend of mine from the UK, and I originally got her her first show in Perth, and then she let go of the gallery, and the gallery ended up folding anyway, so, and she no longer had a, a venue to show her work in Perth. And she had some stuff in Melbourne, didn't really sell. And I said, well, why don't you bring in all your stuff that's around Australia? Like, I'll go get the stuff from the stockroom at the gallery in Perth, and you get the stuff sent from Melbourne or whatever, and bring it all to Frio, and I'll try and sell it for you. And um, so she gave me that. And then I had another friend who I went to her exhibition and thought, oh, it didn't really sell well. Why didn't it sell well? It just wasn't marketed well. It's like... That kind of work needs to go in a corporate office, not into a house. That price range is not for mum and dad. That price range is for, you know, a marketing budget of some big company. And just thought that's really crappy marketing. No wonder it didn't sell. And those things happened round about the same time I was working in Terrace and I recognised there was money in there. And that's how the idea of Artist Open House came up, where I just thought, well, people need to buy art. They stop when they've built, painted the walls of their house, and then that's it. Like, you're lucky to actually convince a client to put curtains in their house, because they've got no budget. Or, you, you know, like, the curtains come as an afterthought, the rugs come off an afterthought, but the sofa hasn't, because you need a sofa to watch TV, and the art will forget it. And so I just thought, right, I'm going to educate people. So, you know what, when you buy a house or renovate, think about what you're going to put on the walls because that's where the character comes in. That's where the real human side of design comes in. But art can be scary for people. Yeah, it can be, and I recognise that. So that's the reason I showed it in the house, not in a gallery, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I recognised there was money and I felt confident people were willing to buy art if, it was priced right and you took away the barriers mm. and um, 
and then I had my PR skills so I knew I could just market the crap out of it and be able to communicate, like find an audience to communicate and educate them and get them to come. I felt like I was capable of doing that. And, um, and then, so it was a combined of my very little skills in interior, experience in interiors and seeing what was happening and thinking there's a market and knowing that galleries had shut down and knowing that there was money and knowing that I had the skill set to do the PR and the marketing that created this artist open house. And to be honest, it was gonna be, I decided I was gonna work on it on Fridays. Monday to Thursday, I was gonna work on interiors and Fridays, I was gonna do this little side project really to help out my two friends. And it just kind of grew from there. Mm. Didn't quite work out like that, did it? start in February and you just go, go, go. It's just me, you know, and mm. I do everything. You curate it, you do the marketing, you do the bookkeeping, you do the the website management, the social, like you just put on a thousand hats and you do the whole mm. lot, just fine. But um, in all, it needs to be more financially sustainable and I, for some people that's impossible to believe because they walk around the show they see all the red dots they do a mental maths and think oh well, you know like they make this much to take this much commission you know people have said to my husband on the beach our oh, cat must be rolling in it this summer and it's just like no actually that money that comes in most of it goes straight back to the artist before the month's even over because I like to pay them on time before Christmas and the whole idea is that it started for artists and it's I've seen friends have negative experience with galleries and I wanted to give these artists the opposite, like a really positive experience. But that aside, um, and then you pay all your bills and then that's it. You know, insurance and mm. another insurance, four different insurances. First year, I had an idea, I didn't know how many people I was going to expect. Um, and we did really well. We ended up getting, you know, lots of people and sold lots of art and the concept works, so it seems that people weren't intimidated looking at art in homes. People enjoyed the festive vibe, not the quiet gallery. That was less intimidation. People loved meeting the artists in a really friendly, normal way. I had second year, I decided to do the styled house. First year, I noticed people wanted to take stuff home, like those event guys just fill out the door, and people were just taking business cards of artists and stuff. So I thought, why not offer them a free magazine that they can take home they can go home and research the artists they can and educate them and become more confident with art my goal is just educate mum and dad about art all those people that never walked into a gallery never felt confident never bought art to get them to buy art because even when i was younger people say oh you know your apartment's so nice why is it nice because i collect things and i've just got things that are personal to me like yeah paint colour might be right or the ceiling height might be right or you know whatever but it's just full of stuff that's me and it's regularly edited and you know I get rid of stuff Changed. yeah and I think and that's what makes the place a place and when I studied interiors I was most interested in the humanistic side of interior design so how to put the human into design and not just make a copycat of that magazine or a copycat of that really famous architect or designer. It was just, you know, how can you, you know, how can the scale or proportion or size or shape or of anything, the texture, the materiality, be 
so that it's got this real lovely human element and this design for a human being. So in, in terms of design but decoration, that's where art comes in. First tip would be buy something, just buy art. My second tip would be buy from the heart. If you like it, buy it. Don't worry who the artist is, when they were born, where they come from, if it's going to increase in value or any of that. Like art for investment is for certain caliber people and that's just, just that have been buying for years and have a specific goal to make money. But for everyone else, just buy it because you like it um, and don't be afraid of it. And the third is talk to an artist if you can or get to, you know, find out about the artist because often you find that there's a connection there with the artist that puts another story into the artwork. Oh, there's people that be passing the street. You see them at the shops and down at the beach. They're all different shapes and all different flavours. Come along with us. Let's meet the neighbours. There's a lady in red walking with her mates, talking and laughing and they'll never be late. There's a mother and a baby with a dog on a bike, flying down the road. Oh, what a sight. The lovely old lady has a rest on the bench, straight across the road on the way to the beach. She's always got time for a smile and a chat. All the dogs love her, cause she'll give them a pet. Let's meet the neighbours. Let's meet.